Our MVP consisted of a simple user interface around a unique algorithm that generated human-readable instructions to assemble DNA, and this algorithm could help you save time and money when designing complex DNA libraries, and that was a streamlined version of what then became our design module. It allowed us to validate our product market fit, gather user feedback, and refine our offering. Today, this algorithm is still a core component of our design module, which is one among several other modules and algorithms available in our platform. My name is Eduardo Beliuk. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Teselagen. This is Code Story, a podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries. Spent six months moonlighting. There's nothing on the backhand. Who share what it takes to change an industry. I don't exactly know what to do next. many goes to get right. Who built the teams that have their back. Our company is its people. The teams help each other achieve. Most proud of our team. Keeping scalability top of mind. All that infrastructure was a Yes, we've been fighting it as we grow. Total waste of time. The stories you don't read in the headlines. It's not an easy thing to achieve, Mike. Took it off the shelf and dusted it off and tried it again. To ride the ups and downs of the startup life. You need to really it's want it. Not just about technology. All this and more on Code Story. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today, how Eduardo Ebluk took AI and built an operating system specifically for biotechnology. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL. Do you put your edge computing close to your users? You should put your data there too. Terso makes this easy utilizing the developer experience of SQLite. Access a free starter plan at terso.tech slash codestory. Terso, welcome to the data edge. This episode is brought to you by our friends at MemberStack. MemberStack is the fastest way for you to launch a beautiful Webflow MVP with robust authentication and smooth payments integration. Join companies like Slack and American Airlines in serving millions of members every single day. Get started for free by visiting memberstack.com slash codestory. Eduardo Ebluc is originally from Santiago, Chile, where he spent the first few decades of his life. From early days, he had a deep curiosity to understand the world around him, which led him to study physics and electrical engineering. Post-school, he joined an MIT startup prior to obtaining his PhD from Stanford. Outside of tech, he likes to read books about longevity and listen to the Lex Friedman podcast. He also walks for at least an hour a day and enjoys hiking and time with family and friends. Together with some colleagues from Stanford, Eduardo felt the pains of planning research projects. This process contained several things that could have been automated through software. So they decided to set out and build an enterprise solution for R&D projects. This is the creation story of Decelogen. At Decelogen, we are building a software platform for designing, building, and, and optimizing biological products. Our mission is to empower scientists across research and development teams and to enable them to rapidly create bio-based products while minimizing costs and, and different technical risks. So in order to achieve this, you know, we have created extensive set of tools and, and algorithms for designing and, and optimizing DNA and proteins 
and tools that empower biologists to define and execute complex experimental workflows that are at the core of what biotech companies do. So while the development of, of AI is also a critical aspect of what we do, we also understand that equally or more important is to develop the upstream and the downstream tools that support the AI models and to ensure a seamless integration with third-party tools and data sets and, and lab automation equipment. We started building Teselagen right after I finished my PhD at Stanford together with a couple of colleagues that experienced a similar pain that I was you know, experiencing. And that was that as I was planning my experimental research, felt that I was wasting a significant amount of time performing tasks that could be automated with good software. So we got together with my colleagues and decided to, to start Teselagen. To, to develop enterprise software for speeding up research and development in biotechnology. Tell me about the MVPs, that first version of the product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? When we started, our MVP consisted of a simple user interface around a unique algorithm that generated human-readable instructions to assemble DNA. And this algorithm could help you, you know, already save time and money when designing complex DNA libraries. And that gave us quite unique value proposition and was a streamlined version of what then became what we call now our design module. It allowed us, you know, back then to validate our, our product market feed, gather user feedback, and refine our offering. Today, this algorithm is still a core component of our design module, which is uh, one among several other modules and algorithms available in our platform. The process of building the, the MVP involved you know, several stages from developing the initial algorithm to developing the user interface around the algorithm to deploying it to the cloud so that we could offer it as a service to selected companies to testing the whole thing. And this probably took a year or so. We used a number of, of tools and technologies to, that enable us to efficiently develop and deploy and test our software solution. Back then, the core algorithm was developed in Perl it offered the best open source bioinformatics libraries. Uh, these days we use Python a lot to implement new algorithms. We also rely heavily on a number of open source technologies such as Node to run JavaScript on the backend, React to organize our front-end components, Postgres as the open source database to manage our storage, and we use GCP uh, as a scalable and flexible cloud-based infrastructure. So with any MVP, you got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around, yes, technical choices, but also like feature cut or feature focus or how you're going to approach the problem. So tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you coped with those decisions. We've faced several instances where short-term decisions and trade-offs were necessary. During the, the development of our, our product, including the MVP, you know, we had to decide which features and functionalities to include and which ones to postpone. And we had to focus on the most critical ones would address our target customers' needs, the ones that provided the most value. And to cope with this, we what we do is we, you know, we keep track of all our customers' feedback and also market trends to ensure that we continue refining our product and, and incorporating future feature requests in subsequent releases. 
Also related trade-off has to do with striking the right balance between expanding our product offerings or focusing on our core modules. So we also periodically assess, you know, these customer needs and our own internal capabilities so that we can identify the most promising opportunities for growth, but while still maintaining our commitment to delivering an exceptional product. Like many other startups, we also had to make you know tough financial decisions to maintain our company's viability and growth. I think we cope with those decisions by being very disciplined in our financial management, regularly reviewing our budget, our expenses, and seeking out creative ways to optimize our for spending. These decisions and trade-offs were not always easy to make, but I believe that by you know, having a clear vision of our long-term goals, we, we were able to manage, navigate all these challenges effectively. This episode is encrypted by Cypherstash. Data breaches are becoming a fact of life. Know why? One of the reasons is because developers lack the right tooling to get the job done, i.e. encryption at rest tools are complex and inadequate. The solution? encryption in use with Cypherstash. Cypherstash uses searchable encryption in use technology, providing continuous and universal protection for sensitive data. With Cypherstash, you can turn your existing database into a vault, utilizing zero trust key management, SQL native, and with no code. Though encryption is complicated, Cypherstash is easy to use. The tool fully supports SQL via a drop-in driver replacement, supporting the query types you know and love today. And did we mention it's fast? For queries over 100 million records, you can expect additional overhead of less than one millisecond. It's a no-brainer. Get started by reviewing their docs or downloading sample projects in Rails or Node plus SQLize today. Visit cypherstash.com slash codestory and get started protecting your data. This episode is supported by Treble. This day and age, APIs are a fact of life. And as such, product and engineering teams need tooling that is lightweight, real-time, and data-rich to help them ship and maintain APIs faster. That's where Treble comes in. Treble is an all-in-one platform for the entire API lifecycle. The product offers world-class monitoring and observability, providing more than 40 data points for each request, enabling you to understand everything from performance to user behavior. Dashboards help connecting your entire team for lifecycle collaboration. Documentation is automatically generated, saving massive amounts of time for your development team with every new release. And setting up Treble? Super easy and fast. In three simple steps, you can be up and running with their platform. Their pricing is designed to support API teams of all sizes. So get started with Treble today and automate your API ops. Did I mention they have a free forever plan? Find out more by visiting treble.com slash codestory. That's T-R-B-L-L-E dot com slash code story. Okay, so you've got your MVP. It's working. You're navigating the decisions and trade-offs. How did you progress the product from there and mature it? And I think to wrap in a box a little bit, what I'm curious about is how you went about building your roadmap and how you decided, okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Tesselagen. Since the initial launch of our software product, we've made significant progress in refining our offering to, to serve the needs of our customers and to stay ahead in the, this you know, rapidly evolving biotech industry. 
We add new features every two weeks, you know, based on customer feedback. We also have expanded the capabilities of our software to address a broader range of applications. And, and we had released three new modules, including a module where users can employ AI to recommend genetic designs to, to test in order to optimize a given biological phenotype. Uh, so, you know, it has the, the, the product has, you know, progressed significantly and um, it has also matured significantly in other dimensions that are important, you know. Uh, for example, we've been continuously optimizing the performance, you know, of the product, the usability, the stability of our software based on, our, on user feedback and, and thought of testing. We've also expanded our interoperability capabilities so that we can provide better interaction with other systems and enable more efficient workflows. We've also enhanced the product security, privacy, you know, compliance features. And, and I think this for us has been critical to ensure to our customers, you know, the protection of sensitive data. In terms of building the, the roadmap, we, we gather input from a number of, of stakeholders, including the development team, our sales and marketing team, the customer success team, and, and most importantly, our customers. We actively seek input from uh, all these, you know, stakeholders and users through direct communication channels to understand their needs and expectations. We try to stay informed about industry trends, you know, competitor offerings and emerging technologies so that we can identify opportunities for innovation differentiation. So based on all these insights, I think we are able to prioritize features and, and improvements by assessing the, the potential impact on our customer satisfaction. So how did you go about building your team and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they are the winning horses to join you? We have focused on, on several qualities and characteristics that we believe contribute to creating a winning team. I would say, number one, passion and commitment. You know, I look for people who are genuinely passionate about the work we do and committed to making a positive impact in biotechnology. I think, you know, this enthusiasm and dedication drives, you know, our team members as a whole to push boundaries uh, as a company and also within their, within their respective roles. Number two, of course, you know, technical expertise and, and problem-solving skills. Given the nature of, of what we do, of our, our industry, it's essential to recruit people with good technical skills. We have a number of PhDs in the company. Equally important is the ability to think critically and creatively to be able to tackle, you know, complex problems that we confront. And all these qualities end up, you know, driving innovation and contributing to our company's success. Number three, we like finding people that are constantly learning. Staying up to date with the latest advancements and, and best practices is essential, you know, in biotechnology, in AI, what's going on these days with, you know, generative AI. So I look for team members who are eager to learn, to grow, and to continuously develop their skills as this commitment to ongoing improvement, again, will drive our company's growth and, and success. This episode is supported by Terso. Terso is the open source edge database from the creators of LibSQL, the popular fork of SQLite. If you put your edge computing close to your users, like with Netlify or Vercel edge functions or Cloudflare workers, you should put your data there too in order to maximize performance gains at the edge. 
Turso makes it easy. With the developer experience of SQLite and a distributed database, you can replicate much closer to your users than traditional database offerings in the cloud. Turso's lightweight, easy to use, and free to get started. The team at Turso is offering a generous starter plan specifically for Code Story listeners. Head over to turso.tech slash codestory and get started today. That's T-U-R-S-O dot tech slash codestory. Turso, welcome to the Data Edge. This episode was automatically optimized by Cast. If you run cloud-native software on AWS, Google Cloud, or Azure, you know how out of hand the bill can get. This uncertainty hurts your business, but you can solve it with Cast AI. Cast AI automates cloud cost, performance, and security management for hundreds of companies of all sizes. The platform's customers begin saving immediately and cut an average of over 60%. So before you go and sign a multi-year contract with a cloud provider or lay people off, check out what Cast AI can do for you. To get you saving even faster, CastAI is offering a free cloud cost audit with a personal consultation. Visit cast.ai slash codestory to get started. So let's flip to scalability then. And I'm curious, you know, was this built with scale in mind from day one? Or have you been fighting this as you grow and gain traction in any sort of capacity? When building a scientific software company, we've been very mindful about the importance of scalability and, and long-term growth. And we tried to create a robust and, and flexible foundation that could enable us to adapt and scale efficiently, making sure that we could accommodate the, the growing needs of our customers and, and support new features and integrations. So, for example, in our architecture, we what we did was to decouple the main software tools and the software application from the integration flows that can connect to the main application through a number of webhooks that can be programmed without disrupting the main software development process. So this allows us to scale the development of integrations quite efficiently when needed. Secondly, we've put a lot of thought into the data model behind the Cellagen. We want to make sure that certain entities in the Cellagen are first-class citizens in our data model. Even though this might constrain a bit the applications that we can tackle, it also allows us to develop quite advanced and unique tools around them that also can be quite scalable. Maybe thirdly, you know, by, by leveraging cloud-based technologies, we're also building a very flexible and scalable infrastructure that can easily accommodate fluctuations in demand and, and allow for rapid deployment of, of updates and enhancements. Well, this also comes with, with some trade-offs. Leveraging some, some of these cloud-based technologies allows us to scale more efficiently, but it can also make you very more dependent on, on a single cloud platform. So you have to be careful how you make those decisions. So as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? We are proud about a number of things, I would say. You know, The most significant and meaningful to me are the, the solutions and biological products that our platform is enabling. We're enabling you know, researchers and organizations across a number of different continents to, to design, build, and, and optimize a number of bio-based products. And, and these products range from bioplastics to microbes that eat carbon dioxide to cell and gene therapies. And these products, I believe, are truly making a positive difference in the world. 
Secondly, our strong customer relationships, you know, our focus on, on understanding and, and addressing the needs of our customers have allowed us to, to build long-lasting and mutually beneficial relationships. And, and the trust and the loyalty that we've earned are, I believe, a direct reflection of our commitment to, to excellence and the value our product delivers. Let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. As a CEO, you know, I recognize that making mistakes is, of course, a natural part of the entrepreneurial journey. I think that throughout the growth of our company, we've made several mistakes, you know, but it's been crucial to learn from them and to adapt, you know, accordingly. I would say that the number of mistakes that we've made are related to how we allocate resources that ended up not yielding the expected, you know, return on investment. We allocated significant resources to a specific <clears throat> project prior to having the organization behind it being, you know, a real customer. Um, there are also instances I hesitated to make tough decisions that also caused delays that I think, you know, slowed progress a little bit, you know, had, had an impact on our progress. So in each of these situations, you know, our team demonstrated adaptability and, and a commitment to improve. And I took those these mistakes as learning opportunities, you know, using them to, to refine our strategies, to refine our processes and our culture. So, you know, I believe that this growth-oriented mindset, you know, is what is enabling us to overcome setbacks and continue growing. Okay, so what does the future look like for the product and for your team? We are quite excited about the, the future of Teselagen and, and the future of biological design automation, AI, and, and biotechnology in general. In terms of product development, we will continue to expand our genetic design capabilities. Our product will continue to evolve and, and incorporate the latest advancements in genetic engineering and, and synthetic biology. And at the same time, we will continue to enhance our community edition, which is the open, free edition of the Cellagen to you know, empower every single biologist to design and, and plan their experiments easily. We will, you know, continue expanding our team. You know, I expect to continue attracting great people in biotechnology, in software development and in data science to ensure that we remain at the forefront of, of innovation. And we will also continue to, to develop strategic partnerships and integrations with leading biotech companies and research institutions. You know, I think this ultimately will help accelerate the pace of innovation in, in the biotech industry. So we, we expect to to keep, you know, being a, one of the leading companies in this emerging industry that we call biological design automation. Eduardo, let's switch to you. Who influences the way that you work? Name a person or many persons or something that you look up to and why. I would say that I draw inspiration and influence from, from a number of people. I admire people who have a constant drive and a strong commitment to tackle hard problems, you know, from scientists, you know, to tech entrepreneurs, from Einstein to Elon Musk. In general, people with, with a bold vision, with ambitious goals, and the right mindset, you know, uh, people who focus on innovation, who push the boundaries of what is technologically possible, people with strong technical skills that can, on one hand, may take calculated risks to pursue their vision, even when others, you know, confront them with skepticism. People that can adapt to failures uh, and learn from their experiences and move forward. 
people that can stay humble and not only share their expertise with others, but also be open to, to constantly learn learn from others. So I believe, you know, all these values, you know, are necessary to create, you know, a, to succeed and, and also a CEO to create a company that, that can foster innovation, collaboration and, and to pursue ambitious goals. So we talked about a mistake earlier, but this is a little different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach? This could be early days, could be something that worked, but maybe you would tweak it a little bit. You know, I've I've been a CEO of Teselagen for only a few years. Prior to being CEO, I was the chief technology officer at Teselagen. But if I could go back to the beginning in my role of co-founder of Teselagen, something that I would do differently is to prioritize sales and marketing sooner. We were very focused on building a great product and it also takes time to figure out how to develop the sales and marketing strategy and, and build a solid team around it. I think you know we spent too much time thinking about the product and building the product and not as much time building our sales and marketing muscle and focusing on distribution, which is something that we've been focusing on much more during the past year or so. Well, Eduardo, last question. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? I mean, I think I've learned a lot throughout this journey. Firstly, I would assume, you know, and hope that he or she has been working on a problem that feels, you know, genuinely passionate about, because this not only will drive your motivation and resilience through challenges, but also inspire your team and and stakeholders to rally behind your vision. Then I would uh, develop very clear goals, you know. If you don't have a clear goal, you will drift around, you will lose time, lose resources and, and lose people's attention. Secondly, I would say that to accomplish you know, great things, you need to work hard. You know, there are no shortcuts and this ties to the previous advice. You know, if you have a clear goal, you have to work, work, work towards that goal. You have to be patient and persistent. You know, some people think that success happens overnight. It does not, you know, in my opinion. So be prepared for a long and challenging journey and stay committed to your goals, consistent effort you know, compounds over time and and eventually pays off. And also develop a strong network of of mentors, advisors, investors, and and other entrepreneurs. Finally, you know, uh, importantly, manage your resources wisely because, you know, companies die because they run out of money. All great bits of advice. Well, Eduardo, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for telling the creation story of Tesligen. Thanks, my pleasure. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Laphart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.